If you would please turn to Matthew chapter 23, we continue our series this morning in Matthew 23, Hypocrisy and Grace. So last week we started our series. This is a study from Matthew 23, which records the most severe message that Jesus ever preached. And it's quite a contrast from the message that he preached in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. But this was his last public message that Jesus is speaking. And the message was addressed to his disciples, as we saw last week in verse 1, and to the crowd that had gathered around him. But the message was about the hypocritical Pharisees, uh, who spoke one way and then they acted in a very different way. So seven times Jesus calls these Pharisees hypocrites. And the word has been used of Greek actors who place a mask over their face while they played one character, and it came to mean someone who pretended to be better than they really were. So outwardly and publicly, these hypocrites were appearing to be people of high virtue, but inwardly and privately, they were proving to be immoral people. Uh, This was how the Lord described most of the scribes and the Pharisees. So eight times, Jesus says to them, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And today we're going to start looking at the first woe. And the word woe is, is not an exclamation, but rather a, it's rather a declaration of divine judgment that's pronounced against sinful people who will not turn from their evil ways. So more than any other group, the scribes and the Pharisees were false teachers. And today in our passage, we will be seeing that the Lord warning us against the false teachers. So there were a few of these Um, Pharisees who were true, but the majority had traded in the truths and the wisdoms of God for the traditions and the the wisdoms of man. So last week we saw Jesus address his disciples and the crowd directly, but as Jesus continues in his warning to the people to be be wary of of false spiritual leaders, he begins to address the, the Pharisees directly, and that's what we will be looking at this morning. So our passage is from verse 13 to 15, but I'd like to read from verse 1. If you have your Bibles, please turn there with me so that we can have the the context. Um, Matthew 23 from verse 1. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat to practice. So practice and observe what they tell you. But not what they do, for they preach but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor of feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others." But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Notice the address is towards the scribes and Pharisees. 
For you neither enter yourselves, nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that we can study your word together. Thank you, Lord, that we could sing your word together, we could pray your word together. Thank you, Lord, that we can see your word as well. And we ask, Father, that your word would not return void. We pray, Father, your word would do the work that needs to be done in our lives. As Ray already prayed, that we would not just be the hearers of your word, but that we would be the doers of your word. So we pray for your help, Lord Jesus, that we just wouldn't go through the motions, just as we've been learning, Lord, that this wouldn't be just a, a nominal experience for us this morning, but rather that the Spirit would, would take your word and he would convict us where we need to, to repent and he would comfort us where we need to be comforted. So Lord, we pray that your Spirit would do the work amongst us, that you'll give us, give us eyes to see, that you give us ears to hear, and that he would give us hearts to obey. So we ask for your help this morning, that he would help us to apply these truths as well, that we wouldn't be looking for excuses, but Lord, rather that we would be humble. So we pray for your help in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So let me start with a question this morning. You can answer this in your, in your own mind. What is the greatest threat a man or a woman face? What is the greatest threat? So in our context, maybe the first thing that comes to your mind may be the Islamic extremists. Uh, some people may say uncontrolled crime or disease. Some may say, well, ecological disasters like a earthquake or a tsunami. Well, all these things could lead to circumstances that we may not like. Some would even result in, in death, maybe widespread death, even physical suffering. But this is not man's greatest enemy. For this is only a transition. This is only a, a part of our a suffering on this earth. Our greatest threat is what will happen in eternity that is really of eternal importance. Will that man or woman spend eternity under God's just condemnation in hell or in heaven by His grace? So the greatest threat a person can face, I propose to you this morning, is those things which will keep them from receiving God's gift of mercy and God's gift of grace through His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, I'm sure there are, there are things like materialism and secularism and humanism and all these false religions. They are, they are a great threat because they can keep a person from the truth. They can keep a person locked into a system of, of unbelief far away from God and far away from the Bible. These are the greatest threats. But the greatest threat comes from those that claim to lead us to God. But in fact, they lead us away 
from God. That is our greatest threat. The greatest threats to the human soul are false prophets and false teachers. They convince people that they have the truth, but instead it is a lie that leads to eternal damnation. And this is why Jesus had so much to say about these hypocrites, about these Pharisees, here recorded for us in Matthew 23. When we read the Gospels, we, we see that Jesus is tender, he's, he's kind. But here when he approaches the Pharisees, he is, he is fierce. He is harsh with the, the false teachers and the, the false prophets of his time. And Jesus' warning about these Pharisees is, is relevant for us today in our, in our own age. Because our world is, is full of men and women who are just like the scribes and Pharisees of old. And in these verses, Jesus gives eight more characteristics of false spiritual leaders. And the first one we see in verse 13. My first point this morning in verse 13 is that these people are religious charlatans. They are religious charlatans. Look at verse 13. Jesus says, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves, nor allow those who would enter to go in. The picture given here is of these men standing at the, the gate of heaven and, and slamming the gate shut in the face of those people who, who are wanting to go in. They themselves are on the outside. They won't go in themselves. And they do their best to, to keep people away from this, this gate. And this is really a, a characteristic of all false religions and all false cults. But how do they do this? How do they do this? Well, obviously, they present their own religious system or philosophy as the truth. They present their own false religion as a way to eternal peace, eternal happiness. And they take people away from the truth of the gospel or a false understanding of the gospel. And the scribes and the Pharisees did it by, by setting aside the grace of God and developing a, a religion of works, a works-based righteousness. If I do enough good, if I do enough merit, then I will get into heaven. This is what they would teach as the Pharisees. And there are plenty of these religious charlatans around today. You know, the false religions and the major cults are, are easy enough to identify because of the, the emphasis they put on earning your salvation. We know a religion that says, well, just keep these five pillars of the truth and then you will go to heaven. Another religion says, well, keep these four noble truths and you will go to nirvana. Another religion says, pursue good karma and then you will find moksha. These are all works-based religions. And this, unfortunately, was the, the same thing that the Pharisees were teaching. Even though they were supposed to be the spiritual guardians of the truth, they did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They did not believe 
that Jesus was the only way, the only truth, and the only life. They taught works. They substituted the grace of God for works. They taught that people could get to God without Jesus. Even today, even amongst professing Christians, you can hear a false gospel of, of works. You'll hear a false gospel of prosperity that twists the, the truth, that manipulates the truth, and that ultimately shuts the, the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. And hypocrites refuse to admit that they need a Savior. They refuse to admit they need a Savior to save them from their sins. They refuse to humble themselves and recognize that they are sinners in need of a holy God. They refuse to recognize that they need to place their faith not in themselves, not in the works that they do, but rather in the sacrifice that, that Jesus has made on the cross for sinners like you and I. They laugh at the idea of the cross, insisting instead that people just need to be more moral and be, they need to be more loving and they, they need to be more enlightened and everything will be okay. They ridicule the idea that Jesus is the, the only way. And they insist that there are many paths to get to God. Many paths. This is the horrible danger of the hypocrites. They actively stand in the way of those who are seeking to enter through Christ. And they will not allow them to do that. They refuse to call sin for what it is. Or point to Jesus' sacrifice as the, the payment for our sins. Or call people to place their faith in Jesus. A couple of years ago, Victoria Osteen, the wife of Joel Osteen, where they both pastor one of the biggest churches in America, she publicly said in one of her messages, and I quote, that the greatest thing that gives God pleasure is our happiness. She went on to say, so I want you to know this morning, just do good for your own self. Do good because God wants you to be happy. When you come to church, when you worship Him, you're not doing it for God, really. You're doing it for yourself because that, that is what makes God happy. That is a blasphemous distortion of God's Word. If you don't understand it, please come and speak to me afterwards. But hear me clearly. That is a twisting of, of God's Word. If you believe or teach it, we need to be living primarily for our, our own happiness, then it's obvious that your Lord is you. Your God is you. You live to please yourself. You are using God for your own personal gratification. If Jesus Christ is your Lord, then, then you will seek His honor, which is happiness, His to make him happy. Because you know this is where true joy and happiness is found. Even if it means suffering. 
Even if it means going through trials, you will be happy to do it for his name's sake. If you are your own God, it will be completely different, isn't it? You'll live for yourself. You'll live for your own comforts. You'll live for your own pleasure. You'll live for your own well-being. This is a very selfish and a very unsatisfied and will lead to a very anxious life. We do not sell Jesus. Come to Jesus and he will make you healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. He's not a genie in a, in a bottle who, who grants us three wishes when we demand them. These are lies, folks. Lies. Lies from these false teachers. We proclaim him as the truth and the only way to the Father. Salvation is not just escape from our difficult situations. If it's God's will for us to go through a difficult situation, then we submit to that. And we respond in a way that brings him the honor, that brings him the glory that he deserves. Salvation is not just escape from our difficult situations. I'm sure you've seen the book, Your Best Life Now. This is not our best life, folks. If this is your best life now, that means you are on your way to hell. My best life is, is waiting for me when I, when I go through those gates, when I see Jesus Christ. That is our best life. The life that we live is, is, is full of sin, folks. It's a cursed-filled world. And a world where we try and bring joy, where we try and bring the light. But this life we live, folks, is not our best life now. That is a lie from the devil himself. We don't live for our pleasures. We don't live for our personal gratification. We live for God's honor and for God's glory. Even if it means that our wife will die on an island full of cannibals. Even if it means our, our children will die from a deadly disease while we try and share the gospel with pagans. For His glory. We live for His glory. We belong to Him. He is our creator. He owns us. Salvation is not just escape from our present difficult situations. Salvation is not just an escape from hell, folks. Some people think, well, I'm a Christian. I've got a ticket into heaven. Great, that's the end. I can do what I want. I can behave as I want. You have a wrong idea of salvation. Salvation is being saved from our sin towards righteousness. And it comes only by God's grace and God's mercy that grants forgiveness to those who, who place their faith in Christ alone. Now Jesus said that, that those who live for him will be persecuted by the unrighteous of this world. That's the result of true salvation. Jesus said, they will hate you because they hated me first. The Christian life is wonderful as a Christian, but not from the world's perspective. The world is materialistic. The world is hedonistic. Be careful, there are religious charlatans out there that want to sell you a package. 
They want to sell you Jesus. Jesus is not for sale, folks. The Bible teaches that one day we will all stand before God on the final day of judgment. And the verdict concerning our eternal welfare will be closely related to how we lived our lives. Is there a practice of righteousness? Or is there a practice of sin? Well done. Enter into the joy of the Lord. The Lord knows our hearts. He knows our motives. If we are living for His glory, those are the words that that we can look forward to here one day. But if we are living for ourselves and our own happiness, rather than wanting to serve others and magnify our Father so that other people will see our good works and glorify Him, then we are living for the wrong reasons. And this is what the hypocrites were teaching. And this is why the terrible hurt that the hypocrites cause because they actively stand in the way of the truth. They actively stand in the way of those who who want to enter through Christ. But they confuse people and they manipulate the truth and they won't allow them to go in because of their false teaching. This is what Jesus is addressing, folks. I'm not picking on anybody. This is what Jesus is warning us against. All works-based religion is guilty of doing what Jesus condemned in these words. If we are not careful, we can so easily fall into the same trap. We may not be doing it intentionally, but nevertheless, if we are not carefully, we might be giving the impression to others that in order to be accepted by by God, we must do things in a certain way. Or we must wear the right clothes. Or we must listen to the, the right music. Or we must read a certain translation of the Bible. We become legalists. We become legalistic just like the, the Pharisees. Now, sadly, there are some evangelical Protestant churches that emphasize traditions over the Word of God. And some people teach, well, you have to be baptized in order to go to heaven. Or you have to speak in tongues in order to go to heaven. That is not what the Scriptures teach. There is only one way to go to heaven. And that is by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Through the gospel of God. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is where our faith has to be in, folks. Not in the traditions of man. Our Lord pronounced His first woe on the religious hypocrisy of the scribes and and the Pharisees because it closed the door to the kingdom of heaven to these men. We need to be careful that we don't do the same when it comes to our children, when it comes to our loved ones. That we're not presenting a religion of traditions, a religion of of works. That we present Christ and Christ alone. 
We see the next woe that Jesus pronounces on the hypocrisy of the Pharisees in verse 14. I'm reading from the King James Version. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devour widows' houses, even while for a pretense you make long prayers. Therefore, you shall receive greater condemnation. False religious leaders are also often self-righteous thieves. That's my second point. They are self-righteous thieves. If you have another translation of the Bible, you might find that these words are put into brackets, or you might even find that the 14th verse isn't even in the text of, of your Bible. And it might be indicated as a footnote at the, the bottom of the page. This is because this verse is not found in some of the, the ancient copies of Matthew's gospel. What many biblical scholars suggest is that verse 14 was transposed into Matthew from the gospel of Luke or the gospel of Mark. And for that reason, many translators thought it best to, to leave it as, as a footnote. But there is no doubt that Jesus spoke these words. There's no doubt that Jesus spoke these words because they have been recorded in Mark's gospel as well as, as Luke's gospel. I'm going to read from Mark chapter 12, in verse 38 and verse 40. And in his teaching he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers they will receive the greater condemnation. Almost the exact same words are in Luke chapter 20, if you want to make a note of that. Luke chapter 20, verse 45 to verse 47. And since there's no doubt that Jesus did say these words, at some point, it fits in the context of this passage, so we will comment on this this morning. Jesus said that they devour widows' houses. The Pharisees devour widows' houses. So widows in the scripture are well known for their, their most that they are the most vulnerable people in society. And these hypocrites were, were known to enter into these widows' homes under the pretext of prayer. I'm going to come and pray with you today. And instead they proceed to steal and take money from them. They told these poor women that they could earn God's favor by giving them a certain amount of their money or they could give a certain percentage to them. And the widows who saw the Pharisees as spiritual leaders, they often obliged and said, yes, of course. So the Pharisees were taking advantage of vulnerable and needy widows. And this practice is still around today. This is not unique to the, the Pharisees. Now, under the disguise of spiritual comfort to widows, false religious leaders use their influence, they use their position to deceive um, vulnerable women into handing money over to them. And they devour the homes of defenseless widows while appearing to be religious because of their long prayers and their spiritual performance. Some years ago, a pastor I know of was charged with 
158 accounts of fraud. And it was estimated that he had stolen about a quarter of a million dollars from his church over the 25 years where he had served there as a pastor. And one of those from whom he had stolen was a widow. After her husband died, she received an insurance settlement. And this pastor, who was a true wolf in sheep's clothing, he told her some of the needs that were in the church. And he said to her he was sure she wanted to give some of the settlement to the church, tithe to the church. And she told him that she did indeed plan to give to the church. And um, he pointed her to Matthew chapter 6, which says, But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. See where we're going with this. He took a verse from the Bible, twisted it, so that she eventually gave him the money. But what he was trying to say to her was that, I will put the money into the ministry that is needing the money the most. Trust me, don't let anybody know where the money is going. I will take it and I'll put it there so that nobody knows you're giving it because you need to be giving to your father so that people don't see you. And of course, his favorite ministry was himself. His favorite ministry was himself. Jesus said in verse 14 that these spiritual conmen shall receive greater damnation. They will receive greater damnation. And the fact that they use Bible verses and these long prayers, all they are doing is hiding behind Him. They're causing the Lord to warn them here in this passage. They will receive greater condemnation. It's one thing to be a, a thief. It's one thing to be a con man. But someone who professes to be spiritual will receive greater condemnation. That's why Jesus spoke a woe, this woe upon him. At this point, David's looking at me and he's saying, well, that doesn't apply to me. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a priest. So I'm okay. <laughs> I won't receive greater condemnation. Well, remember, Jesus is warning all of us against religious hypocrisy. Jesus is warning all of us not to use our Christianity as an excuse to sin. And Jesus is saying, beware of the hypocrisy of the scribes and the Pharisees. And when we do wrong to someone, don't cover it up with religion. Or don't use Bible verses out of context to make excuse for what you are doing. Not to humble yourself and to repent of that sin. Many people learn to cover their steps with religious piety. They talk pious talk. They pray long prayers. They quote the Bible. And they practice religious rituals. And they make a good show to people. And they boast of their devotion to the church. They boast of how much money they give to the church. And the whole time they're making a mockery of it all by using it as a cloak to cover up their sin. Using it as a cloak to cover up the unjust things that they, 
they continually do, habitually do. It's a very dangerous thing to get in the habit of covering your steps in front of people. Now, once you learn to do so, it becomes a slippery slope, doesn't it, folks? It becomes a slippery slope. And so again, listen to the Lord's warning. Pure and undefined religion before God and the Father is not simply a matter of talk. It's not about how we talk. It's about how we live. And he tells us in James 1, this is what pure, undefiled religion is. Visiting orphans, visiting widows in their trouble, and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. Practice righteousness in front of the world, that they may see your good works and glorify the Father. That's what true Christians do, not hypocrites. Performance belongs to the Pharisees. When we fail, we humble ourselves. We admit our failure. We don't cover it up and sweep it under a carpet. We humble ourselves and repent of our sin and we make right with God and those that we have offended. Pharisees, hypocrites don't do that. They make excuses. They use religion as an excuse. So Jesus shows that he hates religious hypocrisy because it hurts other people. It affects other people. It doesn't just stay with you. It affects other people. And hypocrites lie and are not fair. They're not just. They're unkind. And they close doors to those who God wants the doors open for. My last point, in verse 15, he hates religious hypocrisy because it corrupts others. Verse 15, my third point, sons of hell. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel about on sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Again, very strong words that Jesus is using here. Because of the, the, the condemnation that they bring on others. A proselyte in this case meant a, a pagan from a Gentile world who became converted to, to Judaism. And the scribes and the Pharisees would go to great lengths to, to win them or make them a proselyte, to convert them to the, to the outward forms of religion. And these Pharisees had a missionary zeal. The Lord says that here. And they would willingly go across the sea and travel and take all the trouble and the pain and the expense to reach one proselyte on another shore or they would travel the dry stretches of, of a desert just to reach one prospect in another land. But once they found such a prospect, they would win him over to just the outward rules and regulations of their religion. They taught them what they should eat or what they shouldn't eat. They taught them how to wash their, 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 their hands before meals. 
They taught them what feasts to observe and what unclean things to abstain from and what, what holidays they, they needed to keep. All part of their legalism. But they did not teach them to repent of their sins. They didn't teach them to enter into a relationship with God by faith through Jesus Christ. They didn't teach him to truly hunger and thirst for righteousness. They didn't teach him these things because they themselves didn't do that. They were outside the gates. The apostle spoke of this with respect to his own people. He said in, in Romans chapter 2, verse 17, if you would turn there with me, Romans 2, verse 17, Paul said, but if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, because of spiritual hypocrisy. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 24, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. A religious hypocrite may be able to boast how many converts he has won, but how can a religious hypocrite ultimately teach anyone to do anything else but another religious Traditions and be a religious hypocrite. And in fact, the matter is even worse than that. Our Lord here says that when the hypocritical scribes and Pharisees win one proselyte, they make them that one proselyte twice as much the son of hell. Twice as much as they themselves are. They not only teach their student to be a religious hypocrite, but the student excels in teaching in hypocrisy. He just regurgitates the same stuff and more stuff to other people as well. We must heed the warnings. Beware of the religious hypocrisy of the scribes and Pharisees. True Christianity leads a person to a relationship with Christ, not a religion. Not a system of works. True Christianity leads a person to a relationship with Christ. Don't try to win others to a relationship with God that you yourself don't possess. Please make sure this morning that you belong to Jesus. If you are a believer, we need to make sure that 
the goal of our evangelism and the goal of our discipleship is to help others love and obey Jesus. Not just follow certain rules. True, genuine Christians open the door to eternal life. Hypocrites are the ones who open the doors to traditions of men which ultimately leads to death. Which leads to death. Make sure that you have faith in Christ that's worth being reproduced in the lives of others. Make sure that you have a a walk with Christ that's truly worth imitating. Do we live conscientiously, showing clearly by, by our lives that Jesus Christ is the only door to God? If we would consistently and consciously and intentionally live to please the Lord Jesus Christ, we would be far more effective Christians. Mahatma Gandhi, he once said to a Methodist missionary who was trying to minister to him in India by the name of E. Stanley Jones, Mahatma Gandhi said to this Methodist missionary, he says, your faith doesn't need to be changed. It doesn't need to be added to or subtracted from. It needs to be lived as it is. I've read Mahatma Gandhi's biography and sadly he saw hypocrisy in the established church. He lived in South Africa for a long time and he saw the hypocritical Pharisees in the churches in South Africa. And I'm ashamed to say that. People going to church, going through the motions, not knowing who they were singing to and why they were there. They're just doing what religious people do. And he said, Christians need to live their faith. Perhaps the reason that Gandhi rejected Christianity because he saw too many professing Christians preaching one thing but living another way. The Pharisees shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces because they themselves were outside. That is the sad reality of hypocrites. So let us beware. Let us beware. Are you safe and secure inside the door of Christ? Please, if you are not sure this morning, If you have any doubt, please come and speak to me. Come and speak to one of the elders. And let us show you from the Word of God how you can be sure. But if you are a Christian, we ought to be thankful that somewhere along the way in your life, you met somebody who was a door opener, not a door closer, right? You did not receive God's grace because of anything you have done or any merit that you earned. It was all because of His grace. And now you have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to keep this door open. If you're a Christian, you're a kingdom door opener. Do you understand that? Privilege. 
Do you understand that responsibility? Don't take God's grace for granted. We need to be intentionally out there calling people away from the the closed doors to the open one, to the only one that leads to joy, to peace, to eternal life. In other words, we Christians have the keys to the kingdom. And we know how people are to come in. We see it from the truth of God's word. We understand the truth of the gospel. And it's our tremendous responsibility to open the door to folks and to call them out of these false religious systems. May it never be said of us that we shut the door on others. May we so live that we feel the hope that there is salvation in Christ alone. Let us live our lives for God's glory. Let us live and make our lives count. Don't waste our lives by following a system of works, a system of tradition. If you know Jesus, tell others. If you know Jesus, we have a responsibility to show them the door. Father, thank you. Thank you for your son. Thank you, Lord, that someone at some point in time was faithful with the gospel and came and shared it with me and came and shared it with others here so that we were taken out of the darkness and put into your marvelous light. Thank you for that light that we live in, Lord. Thank you, Father, for saving us from our sin. Thank you, Lord, for showing us the wonderful Savior and for His grace that saved a wretch like me. Father, we pray this week, I pray for our church, that this week, Lord, we wouldn't just go through the motions, but that we would be intentional, Lord, that we would be developing relationships with our unbelieving friends, just like we learned about this morning, that we would be building foundations, Lord, so that we can share the gospel with people around us. Please, Lord, give us the confidence we need to go and say hello, at least, to go next door and to invite people for coffee. Lord, we're not here for work. We heard this this morning. We're not here, Lord, to build our own kingdom. Lord, you've given us work here in the UAE for a reason, and that's not to gratify our own flesh but to bring honor and glory to you. You've given us this job, Lord. May we use this privilege that you've given us to reach those who are outside of the kingdom, who are in darkness, who need the light. Please, Lord, may we not live hypocritical lives, but may we show Christ as beautiful as he is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.